Welcome back, everybody, to Driving to the Basket. This is part two of our ad libs and prop bets episode. If you haven't listened to part one, I would encourage you to give that one a listen first, just so you get in the full experience of the episode, so to speak. Either way, let's get to it. So moving on here, we did have a Jeremy Grant points per game question, but I sort of feel that this entire episode, we've we've sort of been, we've talked about him quite a bit and we sort of have an understanding that we expect him to be up in that maybe 20, 21 points per game. So I sort of modified the question a bit because I think it fits more with the theme of the episode and I think it'll make for a good debate. So right now <laughs> we've got Killian Hayes and this pertains to his points per game as well, but the money line is nine and a half. Nine and a half points per game and I have to pick over or under. Okay. I've made no attempt to hide the fact that I'm not the biggest Killian Hayes fan. Uh, I didn't expect his scoring to be as bad as it was. It didn't really come along. I'm curious to see how they use him this year, uh, whether it's off the bench or if they do want to. Like in summer league, they gave him the ball quite a lot. It uh, didn't work out too well. So I'm curious to see whether they bring him off the bench to ease him in, whether they start him again and give him the ball, or if they start him and keep him off ball, see if they can work on his catch-and-shoot three-point shot. Regardless of what it is, I think Killian plays a fairly passive game uh, at times, and he's just not a very aggressive scorer. I don't expect that to go away soon. I do feel like it's the sort of thing where if if he I, – I feel like he could just like come into a game and find his rhythm, and then it's just something that gets a lot better really quickly. Uh, but I just I, – I don't have faith in Killian averaging more than 9.5, so I'm going to take the under here. Uh, I think he's going to average a decent number of assists, but I just think he's going to be looking for other options, and I don't expect him uh, to average more than 30 minutes a game. Uh, I I think he should be brought down. I think he's just going to struggle too much, so I'm going to take the under 9.5 here. Okay, so if I have to argue the over, I mean, Killian came into last season, of course, is just a, is a deeply flawed NBA player and just had a bad season overall. I mean, even the games in which he uh, was seeing heavy usage and, uh, you know, ostent, you know, sort of you would think doing well X, you know, X number of assists, whatever. Uh, it should be noted that for a better NBA team, he wouldn't even be seeing the floor. He was playing primary ball handler for a team that was in those situations sitting Corey Joseph. I think Saban Lee was the backup and Killian was playing a very ball dominant role. I mean, it, just the games in which he did well were generally the ones in which he was hitting his threes. So, and he looked terrible in summer league. I mean, he couldn't get anything going in summer league uh, aside from on defense. He was, he was capable on defense there. So I think that a situation in which Killian could hit the over and more do so efficiently, because like I said, a few minutes ago, I mean, guys are going to be kind of fighting for usage. I think on this team, uh, not Cade, but a lot of guys are going to be fighting for not Sadiq because he's just going to be shooting and not Jeremy, but a lot of these guys are going to be fighting for, for usage because it's, you know, especially, especially guys in the wing where I think you can, if you're, if you're putting Cade at point guard, you can really class if you can really bump Killian in there, at least where the starting lineup is concerned. And you've got him, you've got Josh Jackson, whatever, uh, Frank Jackson, you've got Diallo. Uh, you've got, you've got a lot of guys who will be looking for shots really across the roster. Uh, not that they'll be hunting shots for themselves, but it's like, it's not like Killian has this place. It's not like he's positioned on the team in such a way that, oh, this guy is guaranteed to get heavy usage because he is not. You know, if he's, if he's not playing well and somebody else is, then, uh, you know, his minutes may suffer. So 
we'll just postulate a situation in which he is getting a significant number of minutes. If he's getting that significant number of minutes across the season, it probably means he is doing well. And if he's doing well, I'd say the likeliest, the likeliest bet is that he and Kate have found a way to play together well. Uh, kind of in my vision, you know, Kate is that heliocentric, uh, heliocentric creator who's really playing a heavily on-ball role, and Killian is more in kind of a Lonzo Ball plus sort of role, shooting threes on fairly high volume, and hopefully attacking the basket and not avoiding contact. Uh, and then just playing playmaker and in, in transition, though that's not really going to get him points. So, you know, that's going to require certain things, certain big things. Killian can shoot, catch and shoot threes and do it well. Killian does not respond to players getting in his way by slowing down and taking a low percentage floater. That's, and then, you know, and Killian can score at well above what was a horrendously low percentage in the restricted area last season. I think he was in the, in the mid to high forties, which is dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. So in that situation, uh, in which things have gone very well with Cade, and then things are going very well with Killian also, in, in such a way as to justify him getting big minutes in the starting lineup. Uh, in that situation, who knows? Maybe averages like 12 points per game. But that's a lot to ask. And like I said, I mean, the, the guys I think is going to get uh, top billing, at least early on. But he's going to have to fight to keep his spot uh, high in the rotation if other players are playing well, and he is not. So, so things are going to have to go right for that to happen. And again, we're talking over 10 points per game. Or is it over nine? Whatever it is. Nine and a half. Nine, nine and a half, half, so yep. more or less 10. Uh, we're talking Killian actually playing well, not like Killian coming out of the floor and with garbage efficiency and scoring 10 points per game, because I don't think that would last. No, I don't think so either. And, and I, the reason I chose nine and a half, so this was my backup question. So the reason I chose nine and a half be, is because it, it really is kind of a toss-up. I could see it going either way. Um, I tend to agree with Tommy in that I'm just not a big believer in Killian's assertiveness and his scoring ability. I, I was, but man, just it was that summer league performance for me. I, if summer league never happened, I would be much more bullish on Killian, like his future outlook as a player as a whole, not just as a scorer, but summer league was so disappointing. And as much as I think he does have some confidence issues, I, I, I agree with Mike in that it, I don't think it's primarily a confidence thing. I think he just lacks the skill and the touch right now to really be an effective scorer. But as Mike said, and that ultimately is the reason that I would have to take the over if there was a gun to my head and I have to choose is because I think Killian's going to get top billing right out of the gate. I could see him getting 28, 29, 30 minutes per game. And if he's competent, you know, barring what I referenced earlier in the episode, which would be absolutely no improvement whatsoever on his part. I think they're going to keep him in that starting lineup because I think they want him to be the long-term answer. So if he's getting 30 minutes a night next to Cade Cunningham, next to Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, guys who can score and guys who are competent teammates, I don't see any reason why 10, maybe 11 points per game is out of the question, maybe five, six assists. I just If he's hitting his catch-and-shoot threes, which you know if he's in the game Big for F. 30 minutes and he's maintained that role throughout the season, you'd imagine he is hitting his catch-and-shoot threes. I think 10 points per game is reasonable, so I'll take the over here. Yeah, that's a big if, though. It's certainly yeah. a big if. It certainly is. But at this point, it's like, well, he was a top 10 pick. I know that it's a weak draft, but is it really that much to ask for a guy to hit his open catch-and-shoot threes? Like, maybe it is for Killian, but I hope that he can achieve that relatively small feat. And if he does, I think the over on 9.5 is um, – a little too good to pass up, but I could easily see myself in another universe taking the under as well. So I think this is a toss up. 
Yeah, Killian actually, he does look way better on the catch-and-shoot three than he does on really any other shot other than maybe oh, the floor. Yeah. I actually like the floor. It's, I know it's well, not a good efficient really shot, but he... I like the floater, too. Yeah. But yeah, I like how yeah, it looks. It's, it's, if, like if, he was a, if he was going to be a point guard, that actually is a nice shot to have. But And then the other thing is maybe he really does benefit from having uh, Cade Cunningham next to him. Now he's going to have two guys who are really going to take the pressure off of him, and maybe that allows him to get more comfortable. And if he's going to play this off-ball role that I think a lot of us envision for him, uh, the Lonzo Ball type role, maybe that is something that allows him to get comfortable, establish a different role than we imagined when we drafted him. But maybe that's something that works. And while I don't think it's a long-term solution, um, I think it would at least improve his, or increase his value and uh, turn him back into the NBA player that we know he should be. Uh, right now, like you said, Dante... I think the the fact that he was drafted seventh overall is probably like the biggest advantage he has right now in terms of where he's slotted in the lineup. He hasn't really showed anything else since he got here. Uh, certainly not the NBA-ready player that he was touted as uh, when we drafted him. So I don't think he was. He was uh, it'll be a fight to put out as NBA ready. That's what Troy Weaver said. Uh, well, that's what Troy Weaver said. In he did say that. I don't know by the draft community if he was touted as a pro- I would say that by the draft community, he was touted as someone who might need a little bit because he's coming in raw. But I do remember Weaver saying that he thinks he could come in and make an impact. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I, I think you look at the things that were question marks. Number one, his enormous left-hand dominance. I mean, it was, was going to kill his NBA readiness if he weren't better on that. But here's yeah, but even with- that, he, he, he addressed that before the start of the season. He said, my right hand is fine. It's not a problem. He came <laughs> yeah. the- that turned he, out to be a lie. It's, it turned yeah, out to be a lie, and it's funny. Oh, not a lie, but, but maybe overly optimistic. I think he got out there, he got bumped, and he reverted back to his old self. Yeah, yeah. When he said that it's not an issue, I believed him, and I never thought about it again until I watched him play. And then I was yeah. like, ooh. That was like three ooh. weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You had a nice three weeks of blissful ignorance there. Ignorance but, is bliss, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if uh, there's anything we want to say to wrap well, this up. I have one thing. Up. Yeah, I have one thing about Killian. Sure, yeah, he was drafted with a number seven pick. Uh, the Pistons certainly didn't draft him with the expectation that they would be able to draft Cade Cunningham. Uh, to, what is it, like eight months later? No like Nine months later. So You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, yeah. so I'd, I'd say that. Uh, if you, you you brought in Killian, presumably as this really high IQ point guard to be able to run your offense, and now you have a player who's very likely to be significantly better at that role. So I'd say that I'd say that that doesn't protect Killian at all. I'd say that the fact that that Cade came in is uh, is certain is a threat to his future with the team. I think that uh, you know you can you can consider that maybe Cade is aware of the possibility that. Uh, aware, aware of the fact, basically, that he came in and, and, and Killian was looked at, and now Cade is looked at in that role because he uh, he has made efforts in public to say, "Oh, I want to play with Killian. I want him to be on the floor with me." But but Cade is absolutely a threat, I would say, to Killian's future with the team um, because now now Killian has to kind of develop alongside along a different trajectory. You know, if Cade becomes what we hope he will be, Killian has to be a different player. I agree. You can't you can't just be that ball dominant player next to play next to Kate. I mean, you can't you're never possibly going to get the be- the best out of both of them. And the hope and the probability is that Kate will be better at that role than Killian would be. Absolutely, no, I agree. I think it definitely is a threat to Killian. But the fact that he was drafted so high, I think, gives him a bit more security than say, mm-hmm. or not even security. That's Let's some say cost. a longer leash. 
You get to long leash than say a so drop. Cost, I like that. Yeah, I don't think I don't. I would hope that Troy Weaver is not susceptible to getting tied up in in sunk cost. I don't think Troy Weaver is, but I, I think that all signs point to the fact that, and I, I've said this twice already. I'll say it again. They want it to work. And so I think he'll be given every opportunity to make it work until he shows that it's undeniable, absolutely no chance this way or the other way that he's going to be able to fit with Cade. Unless it's a disaster, they're going to keep trying to make it work. That's what I think. It's only season yeah, one. The other options aren't world beaters, so he, he does, no. it's not like he has somebody like slotted above him that who he should might. be getting it. I mean, he's, he's got a longer way to go to make it to, to make it work for him as the sidekick to a player who's probably going to be better on ball than he is. Yep. Uh, because he's he's not he's not he doesn't really have as much of the tools to be an effective off ball player. Even if he can shoot, he's not an explosive off ball mover. He's not a lob threat, uh, and you know maybe maybe he's not even a, an effective creator even in the pick and roll. Who knows? But yeah. So I think it's also worth considering when it comes to Killian that uh, this is really almost sort of year one, like. For all intents and purposes, this upcoming season will be Killian's rookie season. He really it got derailed early last season. Uh, he had to come back and, and work his way back from injury. Uh, so it's not like you're going to look at it and say, well, if he does poorly, well, it, you know, it's just not going to work and there's no time. He'll have two years remaining in his rookie deal. I, I just I don't think it's out of the question that if he plays very poorly in the first 20 games, that his minutes get significantly slashed. And he doesn't get them back unless he improves or somebody gets injured and he's able to, to re-step into that role in the starting lineup uh, or off the bench, whatever, uh, just into significant minutes. So, uh, yeah, they might want it to work. And, yeah, he was pick number seven. Uh, but, if, yeah, if it's just not working this season, then uh, then they don't need to keep pushing it. You hope that he comes back in, in his, you know, his, his third season overall and, and looks better. But I, I don't think that's... Like I said, I think his value has really been decreased by the fact that the Pistons were able to select Cade Cunningham. Yeah. And, and there are other guys uh, whom the Pistons will, will want to give run to. Again, I think primarily Diallo, if you're looking at guys with potential. I know we're just completely forgetting about Josh Jackson here, but <laughs> I, I, none of us is high on faith. Uh, yeah, Josh I don't Jackson. think any of us. No. Yeah. No, and no, Mike, that is a good point. I, and and it, I guess it's a bit ironic because I've been the one who's touting, you know, Maybe this is not something I personally believe is in the best interest of the team, but I do think he's got this long leash because of all the things I'd mentioned. But at a certain point here, you know, whether it's year one, year zero, year three, whatever, you got to show something. You have to. So if that doesn't come sooner rather than later, then maybe a spot not only on the team, but in the NBA is in serious jeopardy. I think I'm keeping a close eye on Jaden Hardy in the G League this season. I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think. Fair enough. I think Killian has got uh, has got time, and I think they they would give him, you know, unless a trade really presented itself at some point after year two, if he really still hadn't done well. Though in that case, I doubt his value would be very high. Yep. It, it's just like work will need to be done if Kate, you know, if Kate is what people hope. Work will need to be done to make this a worthwhile pairing. I mean, things will really need to go right with Killian uh, in order to make it a worthwhile pairing, because on paper it is not an ideal pairing. But you have both. You have two guys who are both at their best on the ball, and uh, and one of them projects to be considerably better, and the other one is not particularly athletic and, and is not probably going to be better. Probably not going to be good for more than hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully he gets those catch and shoot threes down. Yeah. So, hopefully. yeah, I think I think Killian is sort of working against the clock in a way, just because the fit is not there. 
do uh do either of you guys have anything else to add or you think we're good that's yeah, it no, that was good okay on. all right let's move on so, yeah. you guys uh you guys didn't think there wouldn't be a sadiq bay question eh? <laughs> <laughs> no you better than that oh yeah no this one is um I don't know. I think this is a pretty juicy bet if you ask me, but I believe it's Mike up first. So this, uh, <laughs> excuse me, this pertains to Sadiq Bay's three point percentage and the line is at 38 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with under, not because I think he'll regress, but because I think he's going to be run on a lot more motion sets uh, because we've all said it. The next frontier, well, Tommy and I have said it. I, I know uh, Dante, you think more highly of his abilities, kind of as uh, maybe a tertiary creator, but you could I, say that. Yeah, I think Tommy and I always think that's really his next frontier is as a motion three point shooter. It's a very useful skill to have, and for a guy, you know, if he's going to be really a three point specialist, that's it's a very very nice skill to have. So I think he'll be run more on uh, on on motion three point sets than he was last year when he was in his you know this is the vast majority of his attempts were simple catch and shoots. So I think that could reduce his percentage, uh, but I think he'll finish the season right around 38%. If they run him on uh, on less uh, on less difficult three-point sets, because he was like a 41% catch-and-shoot guy last season, just uh, again, it was just on simple catch-and-shoots. So if he's just... Uh, use more on those and he can manage to improve then who knows maybe he's maybe he's above 40 percent. but this is i think will continue to be a developmental season where they try to push guys in directions in which they weren't comfortable before so uh, I, I would go with the under but not because i think he'll, uh, he'll he will uh it's not regress because he only has one season uh not because i think that he'll do more poorly from the perimeter just that i think his attempts will be more difficult yeah yeah i okay so i have to argue the over yeah so i think if it's a healthy mix of standing catch and shoots and uh, coming off the screen turn around catch and shoot all in one motion i think if he if you get the right balance of that you still improve and you're trying these new things that we would like you said mike we would both love to see from sadiq um then i think he can still average above 38 and a half uh i'm thinking of summer league, which is where they, they did try a lot of new things with him in terms of not just uh, perimeter oriented stuff where they really, they even gave it to him in the mid range and let him try it out there because he doesn't, he, he didn't get to the rim too often. That's, that's not super relevant to this, but he did struggle on the perimeter with these more difficult catch and shoot, uh, catch and shoot three point shots. So I would typically, I, I would agree with you, Mike, I think, it would drop a little lower, not because he's going to regress as a shooter, get worse, but because he's, they, they, they'd probably do see a lot of potential in him. And like you said, development, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta argue the over. I know. And I'm, I I just, I firmly agree with exactly what you said. If I, if I had gone first, I would have said exactly the same thing, but I guess it just comes down to Sadiq getting comfortable because clearly he, he shot way below his, his average. So it was definitely just not a shot that he was comfortable with, but the same time Sadiq hadn't really had a break this summer he went straight from the regular season he took a short break I think like I think even one of your relatives even saw him in Hawaii if I remember correctly but and then he went to USA basketball and then uh to summer league so Sadiq he probably was tired 
maybe uh, he comes into the season and he ends up being comfortable. He has Cade creating for him now. Um, so maybe he's able to take these more difficult three-point shots and knock them down with consistency. He's definitely not a bad shooter. He wasn't as bad. He's He displayed in summer league. None of us are worried about uh, his otherwise really poor showing. We know that's not who he is. It was just the types of shots he was taking, and I think uh, fatigue was a factor. So comes in well-rested, and he gets his shots up, and he can definitely average over 38.5%. He's a good shooter. Yeah, I'm I'm comfortably taking the over here, not just yeah, because I, I'm the president of his fan club. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't really have anything to add. It's... Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Oh, did you did you want to jump in here? Or? No, I'm 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 all good. I yeah, I think I think Tommy and I primarily um, just just primarily we just agree on this one. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 and that's and that's fine because it's like I said, I I would comfortably take the over because I I I think it's possible that he could take you know uh, an amount more of uh, or a good amount more of more difficult shots than he was taking last year, while simultaneously upping his percentage just by virtue of the fact that. He's a year longer in the league. He's playing next to more talented players. And even if his looks are more difficult in theory, he shouldn't like be the beneficiary of better spacing, better creation opportunities. So if he just stays focused and concentrated and, and keeps that same stroke that he has, that's very, very nice. I feel like he could take more difficult shots on potentially the same or even higher volume and keep that percentage at around, I don't know, 39%, maybe 40 if things go exceedingly well. But uh yeah, that's. I, I thought thirty-eight and a half was was pretty good because I thought you could argue it either way. But I guess I'm I'm planting my flag for him once again. So if uh, nobody has anything else to add, uh, we can just, move on to the uh, last one. Just to, just to uh, correct something I said, I I said that he was a forty-one percent catch and shoot shooter. He was forty point two percent, so mm. just a little bit above forty percent. You also said irregardless wasn't a word, but it is a word. It is really. Yes, isn't I it, looked it up because you made me very self-conscious. Uh, so I looked this, it up. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, let's, let's have a look. Um, we define, according to Merriam-Webster, we define irregardless as regardless. Many people find irregardless to be a nonsensical word. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not a word. Oh, okay. All right, well, if you want to use nonsensical <laughs> words, be my guest. See how that goes for you in court. I'm pretty sure, good one. I'm pretty sure that I read yes. that the ear, the IR uh, prefix and irregardless can, ser- can serve as a, um, it's almost like an additive. It's, it's like an emphasizer. Yeah. yeah so. Or a superlative, rather. It's like an emphasizer to the word. So I felt very strongly when I said it. So to me, it's a word. If I, if I were the judge and you said irregardless uh, in, in court, I would hold you in contempt. Yeah, but you also said that Luca Garza wouldn't get a standard NBA contract, so who's laughing now? Oh, okay, yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. You guys want to move on to the last one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. With football right around the corner, it's time to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. So listen up, you're not going to want to miss the details. Simply head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't worry, it's not a big deal because DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. As for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollar top prize, which adds to the excitement of the game. Nothing quite adds to it like a free shot at a million dollar top prize. So with that being said, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. 
Get a free shot at a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So this is actually my, uh, this is my favorite prop bet. I think it's Tommy up first. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to use the term this year. And what I mean is from right now up until, but not including during the upcoming draft. So it's from right now, right up until the moment that the draft starts, but not during the draft. So over under on trades this year, the line is at three and a half. Ooh, okay. How do you make a half trade? You don't. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you don't. Pick, uh, you're either three or four more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. I, can't, four more. I can't make like uh, one quarter of a trade. No, you certainly. I, no, I'm not I don't know, unless you're aware of some mechanics that I'm not aware of. I don't think so. <laughs> you, can, you can loan a player out for one quarter of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, see, that's why that's there's the five. That's why there's the point five in these prop bets, because it forces you <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I think the wing needs to be upgraded, uh, both at the two and the three. I think that this year they were going for stability, but I'd expect this team to maybe not underperform. But it's definitely not, we, we'll all agree, uh, this is not even close to what the team is supposed to be. I don't know how many of the guys who are on this team right now are long-term pieces. So there's definitely upgrades that need to be made. Um, the next draft is very heavy in the front court, which with Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant, I think we're pretty strong there. So we need to upgrade the wings either through free agency or through trades. I'll, I'll take the over on this one. Four trades is a lot, but I feel like I feel like there's going to be like a lot of weaknesses on the wing, and they're going to try to address that. Uh, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Josh Jackson. Yeah, this is uh, a tough I, one. Uh, I'm not sure how you're supposed to even think about it. That's why, that's why I wrote it. I'm, yeah, I've never like actually explored this one before uh, in my mind. Like, how many trades are we gonna make this season? I think would come from the team maybe underperforming at a certain position, which I think will be the wing. And I think if they want to try to address that, you're looking at Killian being moved. Uh, I could see Sadiq Bay being traded as part of a package deal to upgrade a, at a position where you trade a little bit of depth for strength at a position. I thought about that one recently. Four is a lot of trades, I feel like. And I, I know they they didn't do a lot this season. I think they wanted the stability. This is tough, but I've kind of argued the over a little bit already. So I'll go with the over uh, for this one. Fair enough. Mike? So if I'm going with the under there, because how many trades did the Pistons even make last season? Uh, well, I don't under. know, but yeah, for some reason, Rose, four seemed like a lot to me. Yeah, Derek Rose was traded. Of course, DeLon Wright was traded. Uh, Svee was traded. Uh, I trying Does Deku to rem- count for this? Does no, no, no. I mean, Seku was traded in the off season. Yeah, true. So, so who else was traded last season? Yeah, those those I believe are the only players traded last year. Yeah, yeah, really, those were the only players traded last year. So, and that was a teardown. Yeah, and it was it was it was Troy Weaver really making remaking the roster. So the difference this season. So I'm arguing the under, right? Yep. Okay. 
So yeah. the difference this season is he was he was really allowed to bring in a lot more of just the guys he wanted or bring back the guys he wanted. And you don't have kind of those leftover players. Uh, so the way I'm thinking about it, unless there's... Well, you can say that if you make a couple of trades, you know, one including like a, a significant roster player and maybe another including like you know, two or three less important guys, then, then maybe it happens. But yeah, I just, unless there's some very big trade that happens, I just, which I don't think is likely at the deadline, but could happen. Uh, I, I just don't see a situation in which you're trading all that many players this season. I mean, every, literally every player on the roster now is, is a guy who Troy, whom Troy Weaver brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are returning players. Uh, the, the rest, uh, for the most part, are, are free agent acquisitions or well, for not for the most part, all of them are, are free agent acquisitions or draftees. So maybe there are some deals to be made, but it's very different from last season in which he, he got a, he, he inherited a roster that he had not created. Yeah, everybody, literally everybody on the roster right now is somebody he drafted, traded for, assigned. So, yeah. So you're arguing that we already have the roster in place that we want, and that no, that was no, something. Maybe no, not no, that we want, but this not is that we guys want. that we all brought in. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, it's a, exactly. and it's a development season. It's not like, I mean, there's the incredibly unlikely scenario in which the Pistons just take off and are somewhere great by the time of the deadline. And maybe they say, okay, we're ready to make this big trade, assuming one is available. But there's also the fact that the Pistons are pretty asset poor right now. Uh, even, yeah, so two, yeah. two different schools of thought. I'm thinking we need to upgrade at, at certain positions and they're going to want to do it sooner rather than later. And you're under the opinion they want stability i know where that we're it's arguing stability because we have to yeah stability and yeah well i i believe it's going to be i don't believe they're going to trade four players uh unless it's like four players at the bottom unless uh you know like two at least two or three of those players are at the bottom of the rotation because i just don't think that they're in a position in which it uh, number one they have the assets to make a splash number two they have the inclination to make a splash rather than seeing who can develop and uh, this still being a developmental season um, yeah, the trades they made last year, you trade DeLon Wright to get assets. You trade Derek Rose to get assets and also just to get him off the team. You trade, and yeah, I think that was part of it. You know, you more room for the for the youngsters and also a worse team, but also the backup point guard who can't really involve anybody else in the offense. Also, I think just doing well by Derek Rose who wanted to go somewhere and try to win. Uh, and then you trade... Svi kind of in it's not a lateral trade, but uh, but the Thunder weren't they didn't want to keep the they didn't want to pay Diallo, so those and, and Svi was really a, a near the bottom of the rotation players. So if you're not making like a big splash, why are you ever going to be trading that many players? Uh, that, that's just how I see it. And and with so many of these guys being players whom uh, whom Troy Weaver wanted. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I um before we wrap up. I have a bonus prop bet if you guys want to hear it. Sure. All right. But <laughs> I think this is Mike. Or is it Mike? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I think me. you're up first yep. here. So, all right. Number of times Jalen Green makes a headline for an anti-Detroit comment, and the line is two and a half. Uh, I think that the Rockets would tell him to sh- have probably have told him to shut up. Because <laughs> uh, it's it's not it's not a good reflection on them. I mean, this isn't kind of like well, Detroit didn't trade. Well, if it if it's just comments like Detroit didn't draft me, I want to do really well against them. That's one thing. But coming out and saying Detroit sucks as a city, uh, and it being just that obvious that he's saying it just because they didn't draft him, 
and him saying, oh, well, I never really actually wanted to live in Detroit. I just want to be number one. It's, this wasn't like kind of typical, just trash talk. It was, it was, uh, it was a, a kid being sulky and just saying some things that uh, really were, in my opinion, kind of out of line. And uh, it, it was not very sportsmanlike talk. You can, I'm not, like, I'm not a, a tight ass about sport, you know, about, you know, this is sportsmanlike, be, you know, be sportsmanlike, but it's like, you know, you really don't have to come out and insult an entire city. There's a reason it doesn't happen. Uh, and so I don't think it's, I don't think it's likely to happen again. I think, I think the Rockets probably talked to him and said that this is not the sort of thing that, uh, that it just reflects poorly upon you and it reflects poorly upon the Rockets. If you talk like this in public, you know, talk about wanting to beat the Pistons all you can don't come out and just disparage the city just because you're resentful. So I'd say the number of times we're likely to hear Jalen Green disparage the city of Detroit is likely to be zero. Yeah, I was going to say, does he have to mention the city by name or can he just be like, can it be like a chip on his shoulder type comment where he's like, you know, the people who doubted me type deal? I'll give you, I'll modify it to be the number of times Jalen Green makes a headline and Detroit has something to do with it. Oh, okay. Uh, what was the number? <laughs> Two and a half. It doesn't have to Two be and Detroit half. sucks and I hate it, but something to do um, with Detroit and something to do with him making a headline for it. Uh, let's see. I would still hope it's less than two and a half because if it's less than two and a half, it means that Cade is definitely outplaying him. And I, I don't think that's unlikely to yeah. happen. So uh, I'd say we'll definitely get at least one headline because uh, the Pistons, their only scheduled uh, nationally televised game is fairly early in the season against the Rockets. But even then, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets have just told Jalen Green, just focus on your game and don't talk trash. Yeah, maybe. Um, well. It's so, but I'm, I'm going to go with the under for those two reasons. And then I got to argue the over then. All right, yeah. There have been players in the past who like who use the pe- the players that were drafted above them to motivate them. I could see like those types of comments coming out, and uh, especially ahead of that particular matchup, because he did really seem to take it personal. And that's if I was a Rockets fan, I wouldn't hate that either. I would. It's like yeah, it's extra motivation. Good for you, man. We like that. I, I was still a big Jalen Green fan ahead of the season, so he plays with a lot of fire. I'm not surprised that he likes to to talk and be a little edgy like that. So I guess you can make the argument for the over that way, but I don't know. I hope we get, we get some, some fun comments from him because I know Cade has been kind of above this the whole time, but it's entertaining for us. And it's, it's, it's ignited some fire in the fan base. We have hopefully a nice little rivalry brewing. Yeah. 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 No, no. I was just going to say that I'm going to push because I think, He's going to make exactly two and a half headlines. <laughs> so he's just oh. going to stop in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, yeah. Or the or the printing factory is going to run out of ink. So that's I'm going to I'm going to go with a firm two and a half. I mean, firm two and a half. We can say I, I can I can put out a final bet. Uh, so we can say how many Rookie of the Year awards will Cade Cunningham win, and uh, and the line will be point nine 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 with uh, you know, repeating. <laughs> You know, repeating, of course, for those of you who do under, you know, who catch that, uh, got that reference. But uh, that was uh, Leroy Jenkins, of course. But, um, but that was the reference. He wasn't the one who said it. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, is he going to win one or zero? He's going to win one. <laughs> Two. Yeah. I remember, Two. I remember a few years ago, a couple of years ago, there was like, uh, no. there was LeBron came out and he said, I'm, I want to be in the running for rookie of the year this season. Yeah. He's going to, he's, 
Ben Simmons couldn't do it, but he will. Yeah. Sure, he will. Um, just so we're <laughs> clear, and, and just for posterity's sake, I did save this document, and I did save everybody's answers, so we're going to revisit this after the season. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I feel I feel like I was in a slightly pessimistic mood today for, for reasons on uh, un, unrelated to basketball, but eh, whatever. So uh, yeah, Tommy, why don't, uh, why don't why don't why don't you start because you're the uh, you think very highly of Jalen Green, I know. No, yeah, if 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 I really had to pick, I do think Jalen Green is probably going to end up winning Rookie of the Year, and it's not going to be because of long term impact. Because over the course of their careers, I firmly believe that Kate is the better player, and he's going to be a more impactful basketball player. But Jalen Green, he's on a pretty bad Rockets team that is clearly going to run a lot through him. I think. They're treating Kevin Porter Jr. like a point guard now, but I still expect Jalen Green to get heavy usage and be a scorer. He's going to put up really gaudy uh, stat lines, whereas Cade is going to be, probably put out more well-rounded stat lines. But the points per game, I expect Jalen Green to be a lot higher, and I expect Jalen Green to have way more in the way of like Twitter uh, highlights. You know, he's he has the vertical, he has the showmanship. I expect him to get a lot of hype. And the Pistons are probably going to be about as bad as the Rockets, maybe a little better. But if I, if I like genuinely, I've thought about this a little bit. I do think Jalen Green is going to win Rookie of the Year just because he's he, he's built for it. I think it's a points per game award. I expect Jalen Green to uh, average more points. Yeah, I think it's going to be Evan Mobley. I'm, <laughs> I'm compl- I just wanted to see Mike's head explode. Just <laughs> It's not. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I don't, no, think, it's, it I don't think it's likely, but I don't oh, know. Oh God! Uh, come on! I'd, 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 it's I'd, not outside I'd, the realm of possibility. I'd, I'd lay him a five percent chance. Of I'd give him five percent. Yeah, and then I would give. J- I don't know. I feel like it's Cade's award to lose, though. Like I feel like the first overall pick, yeah, is number one overall pick, yeah, winner. And I, while I agree that I think Jalen is probably going to have the edge in points per game. You know, if Detroit can finish even slightly better in the standings, which I don't think is crazy, and Cade puts up a really well-rounded stat line on really good efficiency, why not? Why not? You know, because it's not to say that, you know, Jalen will put up gaudy numbers, but Cade will put up extremely understated numbers. Like, what's 19, 20 points per game from Jalen versus 17 and a half or so from Cade? Well, he puts up other good stats on really good efficiency. So, I don't know. I could see... I could see Cade winning it. I wouldn't be shocked if 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 Green won it, but I think it's Cade's to lose right now. Yeah, that early season matchup is going to be huge for that narrative. So I hope we win, and I hope Cade plays really yeah. well that game. I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. It'll it'll definitely be fun, and I don't know if it's being played in in Detroit or I think it's in Houston. It's in Houston. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever the case. Yeah. My my opinion on this when it comes to when it comes to Green versus Cade, I think that the Pistons are going to play at least. Or, Early on, they're going to take a more balanced approach because uh, they have more guys they are trying to develop. I mean, with with the Rockets, it's uh, like the two centers they drafted. I don't think we'll be seeing a ton of burn in the NBA because they're not super ready. Uh, Garuba's ready to play defense. Uh, but uh, then you basically just have Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Jalen Green, and uh, Jay Sean Tate, who's like 25. So... Yeah, Christian Wood will get some burn. I think Jalen Green is just going to be much more the focus of things, whereas the Pistons are playing more, just a more, they take a more balanced approach and try to get burned for a lot more players. So, yeah, but if Cade can step in and again be that for the same for the third time, that either helocentric or, or, you know, a big primary creator, 
then then I'd say he has a shot at it. Here's the thing I think about Jalen Green, and this was one of my concerns with him uh, going uh, just in terms of going into the draft before we knew what, uh, which pick the Pistons were going to get. Uh, I just think that he has a high probability of messing up his Achilles, his ankle, or his knee. Because the guy skies and he does not land well. He's thin. He's going to get hit a lot. Yeah. So I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I don't hope this happens. Uh, I'm not wishing this upon him by any means. I wouldn't put it put out of the realm of possibility. He only plays like 50 games in his rookie season because he gets injured. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. That was uh, that was definitely one of the concerns that we had uh, when we were. I think actually that was after that was pre-draft, but after the lottery. That was one of the. the uh, main concerns that we had brought up. Yeah. Jalen mm-hmm. Green doesn't land particularly well. That's something I hope that the rock, cause I do want him to have a good long career. I know that we don't like love him right now, but he's going to be a fun player in the NBA. And I think that's just good for the sport. Yeah. I think just, he does it. He, he, he really, he's fearless. He plays, uh, he, you know, he attacks the rim. It's just, he does it again and again and again and again and again with how his frame is uh, just with how bouncy he is. And with the fact that, uh, you know, hopefully nobody tries to undercut him. You don't want that to, to, you know, to see anybody have that happen to them. Nobody should ever do that. But guys are going to play him physically, not only in the paints, but certainly at the rim. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be hitting, he's going to be hitting the deck from high in the air quite a bit. And it's not right now a guy like, uh, you know, like the olden day Russell Westbrook, who got hit a ton going to the rim, but but Westbrook's a tank, and he was yeah. very good at landing. Also, uh, Jalen Green is is like not. I mean, I'm just thinking like, what's the opposite of a tank? And I go into military terminology, and it, you know, like it's like I don't know what is the opposite of a tank. Uh, he's he's very slim, and I'm not confident he's ever going to be a player who's really going to put on a lot more mass. It just seems to be naturally slim, much like Mobley, and about whom I also had health concerns for different reasons. Uh, but it's going to be adjustment for him, and he might get beaten up. Yeah, so, those are all yeah. valid points. But I, I think it's a narrative award. I think Jalen Green is going to be the more fun player to start the year. Or to is, there anybody the season, else? But... is there anybody else in the draft you think could win rookie of the year? Yeah, Luca Garza. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. Uh, I, if Scotty Barnes were to put it all together... I can't. Maybe I, don't night. I can't do it. I can't do it. Scotty <laughs> Barnes rookie book, of the year. Book Knight's going to be playing behind Lamelo and Rozier. I don't think he has much of a shot. Oh yeah, he's behind Rozier. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he, his his style of play otherwise is actually pretty fun. But yeah, I forgot he's behind Rozier. Yeah, I'd go. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a two horse race between Cade and Jalen Green. I I'd, I'd say fifty percent Cade, forty percent Jalen, ten percent Mobley. That's what I'd give it. Yeah, Mobley's in a weird spot. Uh, yeah. you know he's playing with Jared. He's, uh, Kevin Love most likely is going to play, I think, and has also said he has no, in, at least as of a few weeks, there was no intention of accepting a buyout. And you've got Jared Allen, who's going to get run, of course. Mobley's going to, I think, he's going to be played at power forward for the most part, which I don't think is his ideal position. He's got some refinement to do, some muscle to add. Uh, uh, to his health, I think, will always be a concern as well. Unfortunately, again, this is not like oh, ha ha. These are other teams, you know. I hope this can. I don't hope anybody gets injured, and but I, I just think that these are going to be concerns with these guys. And also, yeah, you've he's just he's in a kind of a ridiculously crowded front court, and of course he's going to get high billing. But you know, but there there are, there are going to be minutes going to four guys there. Yep. So I'm, uh, you know, you give an outside shot to Jalen Suggs, 
though he would really have to come in and really, really do well. I really respect his, uh, I mean, I think it was, I don't remember who it was, but I'll just put it this way. Suggs has got a great work ethic and, and plays super hard. And, uh, but he'd really have to put it together. Also, he's playing in a terrible team, like legitimately terrible roster, which I think won't help him. Uh, all right. Well, uh, should we visit anything else before we wrap up here? No, I, I managed to tell you that irregardless was a word, so I have nothing else to add. I think yes. you're now in a lot of comments there. You're not in contempt of court. Yeah, now yeah. I'm good. Hey, so what yeah. do we what do we think of the ad libs and the prop bets? You know, bail is set at one million Canadian dollars or five hundred <laughs> or five hundred American dollars if you prefer. Oh boy, don't remind me. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do we think of the prop bets and the ad libs? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we'll revisit this. This is fun. Nice. Nice. Definitely revisit it. So I'm all good if you guys are all good. Excellent. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, as always, thanks for listening. And uh, as we said last episode, really, really always appreciate hearing from any of you. Uh, We love to hear feedback. We just, we want to, uh, to provide you with the best content we possibly can. So uh, either, uh, either find us on, on Reddit uh, or uh, on the Detroit Pistons discord or uh, at our Twitter, which is uh, to the basket pod. Yep. And uh, yeah, we hope to we hope to hear from you. All right, folks. Well, again, uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, we will catch you next time.